Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss and Cage Podcast. Today's show is, is a special show because it shows you the power of networking, right? So you guys, if you can kind of go back a little bit to early 2021, I had Damon on here. He was talking about SEO. Fast forward a few months. I'm at Damon's birthday party. We're having a good time bringing in his 40th birthday party. And then I get rolled into the person that we're going to speak to today. He was at the party as well. We kind of hit it off, had great conversation, a lot of synergy. And he has some crazy stories to tell you. Like being kicked out of Costa Rica is one of them, just to kind of give you guys a little insight to what we're going to get into. But I'm going to deem him the Google ad boss. So David, without further ado, why don't you give our audience a little backstory of who you are and what you do? Sure. So I've been managing Google ads for close to 20 years now. And it's just something I have a natural talent for, natural knack for getting in data mining an account and dropping people's costs per lead. So I can do that um, in really any account that has a few thousand dollars a month in, in ad spend. And then the clients that come to us uh, that, uh, that don't have a current account, uh, the, the ones that we, that we would typically take on are attorneys, which is where we have a deep, deep, deep bench of experience uh, bankruptcy, uh, personal injury, uh, divorce, criminal, uh, auto accidents. And then there's a few other areas like credit card processing and drug and alcohol rehab and dentists where we have some experience uh, as well. So yeah, that's, that's all I do is Google ads uh, management. So I, I want my audience to realize that he, he, he's stating the facts, right? He's being very linear and you can kind of tell that he works with a lot of lawyers, but he has a little bit of an adventure side to him as well. So let's just, just back it up a little bit and, and talk more about like you're an avid skier, you, you race go-karts and you're all, and that's another thing that we clicked off on was about that, that you were also a sailor as well. So let's talk yeah. about these, these a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So I've just uh, somehow gotten involved in all these different uh, sports and activities and, uh, uh, somehow I've gotten pretty good at, uh, at a lot of them. I've lived at a ski resort for, uh, for about nine or 10 years now. And, uh, I lived at Squaw Valley for, for seven years. Um, I had a, a season pass at Cortina, Italy for, for a winter and now I'm at uh, Snowbird. So, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just what I do for fun. You know, I get, I get bored easily. So I have to entertain myself with different activities and, um, yeah, so I love sailing as well and go-kart racing. Currently, um, you, you, most months I'm about number three where I race. There's two people ahead of me that are, uh, I, th I think I can catch them if I have another few months to, uh, to train. So working on that. Nice, nice. So let's just talk a little bit about, about you as, as an individual, right? If you can pick three to five words to define yourself, what three to five words would that be? I am an intelligent, resourceful and persistent marketer. Very interesting. Very interesting. So let's just just 
go back and travel a little bit. You're very analytical, right? And obviously being analytical pays off when you're analyzing Google ads and different keywords. And you also work with a lot of lawyers as well. So you have to be dead on with your information. What were you like as a child? Were you like this analytical or did you grow into that? It was way worse. (laughs) It was the analytical without any social skills whatsoever. So, you know, it's kind of like Rain Man. Um, (laughs) yeah, I did very well in certain subjects, uh, in engineering. I did well. I I went to Brown. I studied engineering, um, did really well in the math and sciences. Uh, so I'm just, you know, I'm lucky I found this because it's right up my alley. It fits my personality and I can just work in my little silo and figure out how to produce impressive results for a client and turn things around. And it's just funny, the stories of the clients that, you know, everyone always thinks the grass is greener on the other side. And I get clients, they'll get five calls a day from my competitors, right? Mm. And, you know, they'll turn them down. They'll turn down, you know, a thousand of them, right? And finally, the thousandth one has, you know, some really good sales pitch. And like, okay, we're going we're gonna to give them a try. We've, we've been with David and Webrageous for five or 10 years. Let's, let's see what happens. And it takes a few months. And eventually, someone screws up the account. And they come right back. And there are clients that have left and come back three and four times and they can't find anyone better. It's hilarious. Hmm. So, I mean, that's definitely interesting. I mean, so you've taken where you were as a kid that was highly analytical, right? You're almost saying like you were kind of like a, a, um, not only highly analytical, but you were kind of creative as well in a sense, right? Understanding the premises of Google ads, you have to be both these things. So let's just talk a little bit more about like the duality in that, right? Because you're saying on one side, you're an adventure junkie. And on the other side, you're saying you're highly analytical, like the management of both of those. And I think this is a good time for you to kind of tell us a little bit more about that story about like what happened in Costa Rica. (laughs) So the the pairing of being creative and analytical, I I can't explain where that comes from. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's just a gift that I have. And I just... At times, I have these visions of what to do with an account to to turn it around, and and then you know even if it's three a.m., I get up and and I, I start to put it in action. And so I I, I don't know where that comes from. So uh, yeah, in Costa Rica, I uh, you know after college, I really you know the creative side of me had had enough, right? And I wanted to go have some fun, so I moved to a ski town. I moved to Vail. And I just said, I'm going to do this for a winter. I'm going to be a ski bum and then I'm going to go get a real job. Well, spring came and I just wasn't ready. And I'd heard of raft guide schools. So I became a raft guide, mm-hmm. even though I wasn't a good swimmer. <laughs> and in training, I got thrown out of the boat and almost drowned. And I was spat out of this, this hole that was holding me underwater. And I'm like 50 yards downstream of this thing. I'm like, wait. Why, why am I not going downstream? I'm going upstream. What is wrong here? And I got sucked back into the hole and down to the bottom of the river for another 30 seconds. That, that, that went on three times for 30 seconds until I finally uh, got out of it. And I was the one guy that when I was hearing the horror stories with all of everyone else in raft guide school, of, you know, like they were telling a story of this a cow that got surfed in a rapid for a day, this dead cow. So they named it Dead Cow Rapid. So I was the only one that said, so what am I supposed to do if I'm stuck in a hole? They said, well, you got two options. 
either you throw off your life jacket, which means you'll get out of it, but you'll probably drown, or um, you curl up in a ball. So the fast water takes you down and out. And the third time I got dunked, I remembered that, saved my life. Um, so uh, after a summer in Vail on uh, the Colorado River of raft guiding, I still wasn't, I still hadn't had it out of my system yet. So I wanted to go to Costa Rica because that's where you can raft all year round. And got down there and they uh, sent me to La Fortuna, which is where there's uh, an out active volcano all year round. And I just, I just wasn't into it. The guides, you know, they were smoking pot every day. And that was in the first aid kit. They had pot in the first aid kit. That's funny. Uh, not, not my cup of tea. And so after a week, I, you know, I felt really bad because they put me up for free in their house. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm going back to the United States. Thank you for everything. I'm taking everyone out to dinner because I felt bad. You know, they put me up for a week. And uh, took them out to the nicest restaurant in town. They're like, David, you know, you should really stick around, you know, why don't we try, you should try set up the key. Uh, it's just a beautiful place. And I think you're going to fit well. And, and I loved it. I went there, I tried it and I stayed for nine months. I learned fluent Spanish and became a better raft guide. But this place I was living was in the middle of nowhere. And there was this guy that um, was, um, he was abusing, abusing his wife. Hmm. So I, um, I volunteered to get, rescue her from that situation. I said, Paul, put all your stuff in your car right now. I'm going to get you out of here. I took her to the Capitol to live with some relatives and helped her escape. And not surprisingly, Rigo, uh, the owner, was really, really pissed with me. Yeah. And um, so anyway, he tried double, doubling my rent. I said, that's okay. I'll just move out. See ya. Hmm. Um, but anyway, he called immigration on me to try to get me in trouble. And uh, they said, look, you know, this guy's got some problems. We really don't want to cause any trouble for you. But why don't you just leave the country for three days, at least get your tourist visa renewed, and then you can come back and keep working. We really don't care. So, I mean, technically, I got kicked out of Costa Rica. It just wasn't a uh, quite quite the hard expulsion. And they threatened. They said, if you don't cooperate with us, we're going to confiscate your car, your computer, everything you own. We're going to kick you out for 10 years and good luck. But yeah. all we need you to do is sign this paper right here saying you've been working illegally and you agree to be uh, deported on Monday and just trust us. And I didn't have any choice. I had no choice but to trust him. Otherwise, they just arrest me anyway and kick me out. So I had to sign the paper and they were good to their word. They gave me back the paper after they showed it to the owner of the lodge. I left the country for three days, came back, continued working there. That's where the boathouse was, was at the lodge. This guy had to see me every day for, uh, for months. So yeah, it was yeah. quite, quite, quite the misadventure, but I, I survived. <laughs> I think it's, de it's definitely interesting. And, and I mean, I'm just kind of digging deeper in, into your backstory because again, I, I think that like, like myself, like having an analytical brain and having a creative brain and having both of them into one house is a very difficult task until you come to that eureka moment to understand that's what you are. So my next question is, is okay, you have this adrenaline bug, you have this traveling thing, you have this um, analytical brain. When did you decide to kind of streamline all these different things and, and put it to good use into Google Ads? Sure. So uh, it's just a very roundabout 
course, as is the case for you know cer certain people, right? And so I was running the flying club at, at Brown and uh, one of the alumni suggested that I uh, create a website and that was 1995 and uh, I knew very little about it, but I, I put it together. And so, you know, the web fascinated me mm -hmm. and fast forward a few years later, I was working in IT and management consulting and not really, not really liking it a whole lot. And, um, something had happened in my back along the way between raft guiding and rowing and some other things. And I was just in misery working at a desk all day long. And now I'm fine. I've outgrown it. But um, I said, you know what? The heck with this. This is for the dogs. I'm going to go back to a ski town and I'm going to figure out some way to get by. And I just didn't want to sit down all the time. So, cause that hurt a lot. So I taught skiing. I was a bartender. I tried raft guiding again. Um, I was a waiter and I started a painting business and I made that a success. And, and, and I started Webrageous, you know, a month before I tried all those things, but it was so slow. I was doing web design and I was terrible at it. And my first year I made $5,000. So I had to do all these other things to make ends meet. And I just had this talent that kept growing and growing and growing. And, uh, and it just most, I mean, the talent was kind of there from day one. It just took a long time for me to figure out the business side of it, mm -hmm. uh, figure out my own marketing and, uh, and, and get it off the ground. So <coughs> took nice. a long time. Nice. So now that, now that you have your, your Google ad business, right. And, and that's, that's the core demographic of, of what you do. How was your business structured? I mean, you said you had a painting business, you were bartending, so you, you were juggling around a couple different things. So now, are you an LLC, an S Corp, or a C Corp? LLC. Okay. Yeah. Is there a particular actually, reason why? Actually, LLC with S Corporation taxation. So mm -hmm. LLC, because uh, you know, it has good liability protection, it's fairly simple to set up and maintain. And then the S Corp uh, taxation, because that's the best tax structure. So it's a hybrid of those two entities. Nice. Nice. So let's talk about like your, like your systems in place. Let's say uh, I'm, I'm your ideal client, right? So let's talk about that first. Like what is defining your ideal client? Like what does that avatar look like? Sure. So I know it as soon as I get them on the phone. Um, you can, you can just sense it in, in certain people. Um, and I mean, there's certain things that you look for, but I just, I just, I just have that sixth sense within five seconds, you know, if it's someone that's, that might be up your alley or, or not. Mm. And it's someone who's spending at least uh, $5,000 a month already on Google ads mm. and uh, primarily lead gen. We do e-commerce as well. We're really good with, uh, with lead gen. Um, and then like I mentioned, those, those other areas uh, where we have particular expertise, uh, attorneys, that's like half of our practice uh, right there. We do really, really well with, with attorneys. Okay. So talking about 5,000 5, ad spend, ideally lawyers. So let's say I'm a lawyer. Let's say I'm spending 7,500 per month and I come to you. Like, what does your onboarding process look like? Sure. Uh, so it's a really simple contract. It's month to month. Um, and typically no, no setup fees. And, and so it's really simple. It's a two, two page contract and, uh, we send it over on DocuSign, they sign up 
and uh, and then we get access to the Google Ads account, get them set up with CallRail if they don't have it already, which tracks their calls, which is great. And uh, away we go. You know, usually within uh, you know if they have an existing account and it's just about making some changes and dropping the cost per lead, then that's going to uh, you know that could be. Uh, a day or two before we launch it. And if it's, you know, more a difficult setup, uh, something we haven't done before, it might take a week or two, which is longer than our competition. But we spend a lot more time up front with clients to get them off the ground and be successful. Okay. So let's continue let's continue the the like the storytelling, right? So I'm a lawyer, you know, you onboard me, we get some paperwork done, like, like just go into like your systems a little bit and you don't have to like disclose all the details of it, but as a new client, like, what are you looking for in my account? Like what, like my account's up and running, like what can you do for my account to like help, help my account work a little bit better? Sure. I take a holistic view. You're going to look at the website because the website, unless you're doing call only, in which case the website doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you look at the website, and you say, okay, what is holding this person back from being successful? Because you need to beat people over the head, convert, 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 pick up the phone, chat with me, fill out the form. And, and that's, that's, that's what you want them to do. So you need to drive people to that end. And there's a number of tricks of doing that that can right there, without even touching a Google ads account, can drive up conversions 50% in some cases. So it's, it's just so important to, to know that cold because I started in web design, it's easy. And then looking at the account, um, are they targeting the right keywords? Do they have the right match types? Broad match is, you know, it's just, it's a shotgun approach. You're targeting all these different keywords, many of which could be a bunch of rubbish. So sometimes you have to go with phrase match or exact match, uh, which is a lot more targeted. And sometimes broad match works. So you just have to, you just have to look at it and have that sixth sense and know. But the biggest thing is, uh, and, and clients are really good about that uh, today of tracking conversions. Uh, so that's when someone fills out your form or, or they call and you wanna make sure you're tracking that really, really well and it's tracked back to the keyword. And that's where I come in, that analytical backward of, background of saying, where are we wasting money? How can I cut the fat? How can I turn around this account now in five minutes? Mm. And get this ship righted very quickly. And so, I mean, it's really simple. You look at the keywords for the past six months, you sort by cost, you look for keywords that have no conversions or a high cost per conversion, mm-hmm. and you either drop the cost per click or you pause them. It ain't rocket science, but 99% of the idiots in my industry don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just unbelievable. Then you try different settings, you gotta look at the ads. And one thing I find so commonly, everyone says, you need to try multiple ads. You need to have different variations of your ad. Okay, great. Yes, you do. From, from day one, you need to do that. Maybe from month one, month two, month three, you need to do that. But what no, no one understands is that once you have data and you can see that that ad is really sucks mm. and the cost per conversion is $200 and you have another ad with a cost per conversion of $30, well, why don't we turn off the ad that's not working? It ain't rocket science. It's, it's just the most, it's just the simplest thing in the world. Um, and most people don't, don't know it. They don't do it. And they're like, well, I was told to run multiple ads. So let me just let them run. No, that's not what you're supposed to do. 
supposed to like grow a brain and look at the account and see what's working and what's not and fix it. And then all of a sudden, like I had a client, Welts Law, I've dropped their cost per lead 89% using the techniques I just told you. And that's it. Nice. It was the easiest thing in the world, 89% drop. Um, and I didn't think you could pull that off in 2021. Um, I thought that the shooting fish in the barrel game ended about uh, 2013 or 14, but you can still do it sometimes. Nice, nice. So, I mean, to a listener of this podcast listening to you and they're, they're hearing your, your life story, they're hearing about your adventures, and they're also hearing about how you dropped someone's, you know, 89%, which is a huge number, like 10%, 20%, 89% is, is, is out of this world, right? right? So the next question is going to be posed to you in a fashion to think about, okay, you may be perceived as an overnight success to someone. Like, okay, this guy figured it out yesterday and he's making money because he, he just figured out the system. But in reality, how long have you been on your journey? How long did it take you to get to where you are? So there, there's two different ways of looking at it. I mean, the the... The skill that I have to turn around an account, that was there from literally day one. Mm. Um, Schneider and Wallace was one of my first clients, tremendous success story. He calls me a secret weapon. First client, it was like, I just got in there. Day one, I'd read one article on paid search and I knew what to do. And, and I've made this guy a lot of money. He's absolutely thrilled. Lawrence Realty, my next door neighbor, they were doing absolutely great. They were killing it. They have at times for this tiny village, Olympic Valley, Squaw Valley, California, where the 1960 Winter Olympics were. They have 50 listings at one time in this tiny little village. It's unbelievable. They just dominated. And, um, and then the National Laser Institute and the Bahama Beach Club were two of my first clients, uh, first really big clients. And I crushed it for, the, for them. We're talking about hundreds of percent of increase in terms of lead volume and dropping the cost per lead 70, 80%. So, I mean, that was just innate in terms of my ability to turn around an account. But, but then there's a whole other layer, layer of that, of sales and managing the business and growing the business and getting a good volume of leads. And, you know, I'm still working on that. Hmm. Um, and uh, to be honest, I still struggle with that to find the right lead sources because Google ads for me, look, I'll be the first to admit, there's a lot of people that come to me and I just know I can't turn that account around for them. Mm -hmm. And I tell them that, and there's people that give me a good Google review that say, hey, this guy was really honest. It's like, you just, there's some, certain circumstances, certain situations where the only, the only party that's gonna make money is Google ads for any number of reasons. And in my case, there's a ton of competition coast to coast, and it doesn't work because I'm picky on who I take on because if I can't help someone, I don't want to have to sell them the moon and then get a bad review three months later because I, I, couldn't, uh, I couldn't deliver the goods for them. So, you know, this is something I'm still working on of finding uh, how to generate a high volume of leads and, and grow the business. So in the meantime, you know, the 20 customers that I have, they're killing it because I've got all the time in the world to uh, optimize and improve their account. Nice. Nice. So let's, let's talk about time traveling for a second here. If you could go back in time and whisper in your ears at any time in your life, one thing 
that can change where you are currently, maybe get you to where you are a lot faster. What's that one thing that you would whisper in your ears? Go back home, live with your parents, stop everything you're doing. You're in the greatest time of change in the history of the human race and keep trying new ideas. Go through the telephone book and find every service and decide how is the internet gonna change this? Like taxi services, look at Uber. I mean, Uber only came around in, I don't even know, but it was pretty late for the internet. I thought everything had already been invented. No, I would have been, I would love to go back in time and say, look, just stay in your parents' basement and try 20 things and fall on your face 20 times and then if you still haven't found something great, then go into the service business, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That's definitely interesting. So, I mean, you, you talked about going back to your parents there. So, like, where did your entrepreneurial hustle insight come from? Were, were one of your parents, did they have a small business or any uncles, aunts in your family have something along those lines? Yes, my dad ran a shipping business. So he was in this really, really risky business where he would charter uh, a cargo ship the size, the length of a football field, and then send it all around the world, trying to get cargo, hoping to make money on it. And it was a tough, tough business. There was someone else in the industry who said, yeah, I'm just going to be a broker. Yeah, what your dad does, he's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I worked out okay for him. Um, you know, he, he, he did all right um, and put food on the table. And he didn't want to go to work for anyone else, which is just just like me. But you know, I saw that from a really early age. He started when I was, you know, five or six years old. Mm. And starting when I was 10, I would be running his office for him when he was off in Nigeria or Mexico or wherever. And so I'd come home after, I'd go to his office after school, uh, let myself in, read him the faxes that had come through, read him the telexes, and uh do all sorts of things to help him keep his business uh, running while he was running all around the world. It was, of course, mm. before the internet, so it was a lot, a lot harder to operate a business when you're remote. But that's that's what I saw growing up, and so of course I emulated that. I started mowing lawns when I was in probably second, third, fourth grade, something like that. Not any later than fourth grade. Mm. There are people in Westport, Connecticut, that remember me pushing the handles of a lawnmower that were above my head. Another customer remembers, I had a 30 gallon garbage can and I would pack leaves in it and then put them in a, uh, a plastic bag and leave them by the side of the road. I was so small, I would, dis I would almost disappear into the garbage can as I was packing leaves down. And I was out there Hundred, you know, I was in when I was in high school. I was only like when I was a freshman. I was only 110 pounds. I was tiny, but I was out there working really, really hard. I'd make back in the day. I'd make uh, at least 25 dollars an hour back when I was, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Nice. <laughs> so I mean, without saying it, I mean, obviously, I think your dad has influenced you to to give you that work ethic and give you that insight to, you know, to understand why working for yourself is going to be pay off in the long run. So definitely, I would say if I had to ask you the next question, do you think what you learned from your dad was fruitful for you today? Yeah. 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 St start your own business. 
um, ma manage your own time. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's, 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 it's been, you know, a decent place for me. You know, I, I, I look back and I say, you know, I kicked myself, God, you know, I could have aimed so much higher, but you know, at the end of the day, I laid my head down at the side of a ski slope at Snowbird. It's not a bad, it's not a bad place to be running my own business, not having to, you know, rush to work. It's, it's, it's not a bad place to be. Nice. Nice. So just to keep talking about family to, to a little bit, right? So, I mean, obviously your dad was international from the sounds of it. You took up some of that international bug from him. So in right now and today, how do you currently juggle like your work life with your family life? Sure. Well, it's international, of course. Mm. My uh, my son is in Bogota, Colombia, with my ex girlfriend. Nice. So he is uh, he's ten years old. He's going to come up here for the first time to get his COVID vaccine as soon as that's approved in September or October. Wow. So thinking about that, you live at at the the edge of a, a ski slope, and like you like to travel. So you have like the time code differences and everything else, but you're so analytical, I would think, right? And you can correct me if I'm wrong. I would think that you ha probably have some really rigid morning habits. So my next question is like, what are your morning routines? What do your morning habits look like? Depends if I wake up at 6 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. <laughs> if I'm up at six, uh, I'm gonna check my, uh, my accounts first, mm -hmm. see how they did the day before. I'm gonna go for a hike. And then if I'm waking up late, it's racing to get ready and start the day and uh, see what my clients need that day. Gotcha. Cool. So not, not, nothing really set in stone, like I'm sure a lot of your guests have. It's not it's not that rigid for me. Hmm. And I think it's so interesting because, I mean, obviously, it's kind of that push and pull between the right and the left brain, right? The, being highly creative, but also being analytical. So to find that balance and, and everything that you said up until this point, there's been equilibrium, right? It's kind of like I'm sailing, but then I'm highly analytical. I'm racing cars, but I'm looking at the information stats and I'm stacking them up to get results. So it's, it's definitely a push and pull. So your answer about your morning routines makes perfect sense. I mean, you have to have some of the other side with all the rigid analytical data as well. Yeah, um, so exactly. go, going into another question. So, I mean, you've been on this journey for, for a while. What books have you read? And it's a three-part question, right? What books have you read in your earlier days to kind of help you get to where you are? What books are you reading right now to help you continue with education? And question three is, have you had an opportunity to author any books as of yet? Great questions. So um, the, probably the best book I read was The 50 Laws of Power. And it just teaches you a lot about how the world works, how people work, and it just demystifies a lot of things. And right now, um, I'm not reading any books, um, which I know is not a great answer, but I read uh, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and I love reading both of those, um, and just uh, reading, reading the news. Um, and then I've not written any books yet, but... Uh, there is one that I want to write about helping people with hidden uh, health problems that they just can't get to the bottom of. Because I went through absolute hell getting to the bottom of all these hidden problems. And, you know, it cost a quarter million dollars out of pocket, really slowed me down. There was a hidden mold problem in my house. The mold test didn't reveal it. 
because there was an air pocket. There was, uh, it was behind a wall where there had been a leak. And right in that wall cavity, there was an air intake for the HVAC system. So it took it and spread it around the whole house. And I had no clue what was going on because the mold test was negative. It was, this is very normal, right? So I had that, which caused chronic fatigue to where I couldn't walk more than five minutes before I'd have to rest. Um, and, and then a little bit of sleep apnea with shallow breathing. I mean, it's just like the rarest thing. You look, I'm a skinny guy and the sleep test came back normal. And yet I knew I had a sleep problem. Uh, and then I had, anyway, I mean, I could, I could go on and on and on, but you know, I mean, and another one was uh, I had acid reflux with no symptoms and, and, and the acid was getting into my lungs doing damage to my lungs. I mean, it's just unbelievable to have those three or four things with the chronic fatigue all together and to have to unravel it was a nightmare. And the doctors, they were just, some of them were pretty good, but not one, no one person could just nail it and put it all together. It was just me boiling the ocean to get to the bottom of it. And it was just a nightmare because I couldn't think clearly. I could barely run the business and to just have to figure that out was the hardest thing I ever went through. And so I, I want to write a book to help people understand the resources, the techniques, the tactics, what you say, what you need to do, what you need to think about to get yourself out of a situation like that. Because there, I mean, there are people that are just awful. There are just awful cases where, you know, you're diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and, you know, that's it, you know, you get your 5% chance of living. But there's a lot of people that are like walking zombies and they don't know why and their doctors can't help them. And they're lost, they're clueless. Uh, and it's, it's really sad. Wow, that's definitely interesting. And it kind of brings me to like, um, more so like a legacy question, because I mean, obviously having all these different symptoms at any turn, something could have went wrong. And it could have, you know, obviously climax to the point to probably you probably wouldn't have been here right now, or you would have even worse side effects. So I'm happy that first of all, that you figured it out. So my next question is, is like, with that being on the table and having a 10 year old son, like, where do you see yourself 20 years from now? Sure. So uh, 20 years from now, you know, I, I, what I urgently need to do right now is find a few more lead sources. You know, I'm doing great work, amazing work but there's so much competition out there. And, you know, I'm outdone because you've got agencies that have 50 people and they've got a lot more resources to throw at SEO and rank and do this and do that. And you know, they've got five salespeople and et cetera, et cetera. So what I need to do is really crack the nut of how do I get more leads for myself, uh, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's tricky. So, as long as I can do that, which I'm working very hard on right now, I've produced, I spent $18,000 on a package of commercials for Webragis, which turned out amazing. Uh, you can check it out at webragis.com. Um, so I have to figure out how to promote those, which I will. You know, it's, it's doing some new things on Facebook and maybe some other places uh, that I don't normally do. And uh, just tapping some new uh, sources of leads because I've got the skills that the ability to, you know, I have a client just now that uh, he sold his business for $50 million. And he said, David, I couldn't have done it without you. 
and I've been managing his Google ads for eight years and he just he, I couldn't be happier. So as long as I can figure that out, then, you know, the sky's the limit. I can do really well, but you know, I, I don't know if I want to grow a, a, an agency to have, you know, five or 10 or 50 employees. It's just not me. I'm just happy. I like doing the work myself, making a huge difference. And so that's what I want to do is have uh, two or three times as many clients 20 years from now and still be doing the same thing. Nice. Nice. So, I mean, with that, I mean, obviously, it's one thing to say that you're managing SEO and, and anyone that understands that like, that's a Google platform, but on the software side of things, right? Like what tools do you use that you would not be able to do what you're doing without like software tools? The only tool that I have for doing what I do. Mm -hmm. It's right there. That's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know, there's a lot of people that use um, automation Mm -hmm. and software to manage Google ads. And I just don't believe in it. Uh, that's for people who don't really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and it helps the, the mediocre people out there in the world. Uh, I use Google Ads Editor. It comes straight from Google. It's free. And, and that, that, that helps. So I use that, I suppose. Uh, that, that is very helpful. I mean, that is you know, the software program that I use for what I do. Uh, Uber suggests by Neil Patel is a good keyword research uh, tool, and uh, there's some free searches you can do uh, on there. I got the lifetime membership; it's only like a hundred bucks or something. Nice. Uh, so uh, that's that's really it. But mostly, it just comes down to the knowledge that I have and applying that uh, to um, to my clients every day. Cool, cool, definitely. Really, really, really interesting to me. I mean, it's obviously to your point. I mean, there's automation, there's different strategies. Uber suggests is definitely a great tool, but to kind of say you, you're going back to the rudimentary element of just using your brain and understanding systems at hand. And that's the only thing that you really need to really do well in Google ads. So it's something for anyone out there that's thinking about getting into Google ads or are looking for help with Google ads. I, I want people to really listen to that and rewind and, and really get some real sense of, you know what you're talking about and you don't really need the software to back you up. You can essentially do Google ads just by thinking about staging the right keywords and putting things in place. And like you said earlier in this conversation, if something's not working, it's not rocket science. If one is 300 bucks and the other one's 50 bucks and you're trying to do the same thing, then you're going to turn off the one that's costing you 300 and roll with the one that's 50. So, so, so easy. It's just mind numbingly simple. Hmm. It's crazy. Wow. And, and, and so many people just don't get it in this industry. And there's just these tiny little tricks, stupid, stupid tricks. <laughs> and, uh, and once you understand that, it just makes a huge difference. Wow. So going into like, let's say final words of wisdom, let's say I'm a younger guy to say maybe twenties, thirties, this is even say I'm 40 years old. Right. And I have a business and I'm working on my Google ads and I'm trying to get things figured out. And what words of wisdom would you give to me to help me move forward on my Google ad journey? Sure. So doing it yourself is really, really tough because all the Google suggestions play towards what Google wants you to do, which may not be in your best interest. You're going to get calls from Google and they're going to tell you to do what Google wants you to do, not necessarily what is in your best interest. It, it may help you and it may not. And I get some calls from people who are 
unhappy with the advice they were given and they're like everything was working great and then google called then i took their advice and and so then i turned it around um so what can i say i would say you know definitely don't try and do it yourself i once every two or three years i run into someone that has figured it out and I can't figure out how they actually did it and did such a good job. It does happen. It's not impossible. But if you're running a business, you have better things to do. So obviously, my offer of doing a free account review for anyone that's already spending at least $5,000 a month is a great one because you're under no obligation to sign up with me. And you're going to learn a lot uh, in that time. And then if you want to keep doing it yourself and implement that, great. You know, that, that's, that's certainly uh, someone, someone's right to try that. But um, there's such a wide range of skills. You know, this is not a commodity. Managing Google ads is not like going to the grocery store and buying sugar where you can just buy the cheapest uh, thing, cheapest pound of sugar and, and call it good. And I would say don't be patient with uh, someone doing what I'm doing. If you want to do SEO and you want to hire, you know, Damon, for example, um, you need, you, you got to sign a one-year contract. You got to be patient. You got to give the guy six to 12 months. That's SEO. This is paid. It's supposed to work right away. And, you know, maybe there is a little bit of experimentation you need to do. So, I mean, I wouldn't fire someone after day one, unless things are absolutely abysmal. Um, give someone a month or two, but, that's as long a leash as you want to give someone in my industry. If they're not cutting it and you're not happy and you think the grass might be greener on the other side, fire that person, go find another agency mm. and just keep trying every month or two until you get the results that you need because there's such a wide range of abilities um, and it's impossible to tell talking to the snake oil salesman um, in my industry who knows what they're doing? Mm. Wow. Even even I can't, even I can barely tell when I interview people. It is so hard to know. So it is, it's very tricky. And you know, the worst thing is if you get stuck with, you know, you get sold by someone who's a really good salesperson, then you get stuck with someone who has two years experience. Mm. Um and and they do, and they have 80 accounts to manage. You know, let's do the math. 80 accounts, 40 hours in the work in the work week, that's 30 minutes a week, deduct from that bathroom breaks, rest breaks, meal breaks, mm -hmm. talking on the phone, online ordering on Amazon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then reporting and your requests, talks with you. How much time does that person actually have to make optimizations in your account? Five minutes, two minutes? Mm -hmm. What are they gonna accomplish? Not a lot. Very true. So. I'm a listener of the podcast and I'm like, okay, this guy, I'm sold. Uh, I want to at least get an audit. Like, how do they get in contact with you? Sure. Just go to webrageous.com. Just like outrageous, webrageous.com, W-E-B-R-A-G-E-O-U-S.com and fill out the form or give us a call. Nice. Nice. So I got a couple bonus questions for you. All right. Sure. Outside of like your family or your son, what is your most significant achievement to date? That's a good question.
Well, being a father, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three things. Being a okay. father. Second would be getting kicked off a sailing team. The next summer, going and racing with the competition and beating that team, which shouldn't have beat them. Okay. Getting invited back to that original sailing team, and then winning the series. We we were undefeated the whole season, and then you know the owner of the boat he always gets the trophy. He gave that trophy to me. It was a, a crystal vase about that high and, and the glass on it was that thick. And so I was MVP that year after being kicked off. That, that, was, that was a really cool accomplishment. And the last race, our competition was right on our tails and, and it was handicapped. We had beat them by two minutes. 90% through the race, they were right on our tails. And I stood up on the last leg of the race and started calling the wind shifts and we pulled ahead of him by two and a half minutes. I mean, I, I still to this day, I, I don't know how we pulled ahead that far, hmm. but uh, I was calling some good wind shifts. So that would be another one of them. And the other one was, was um, being part of a four-person team that won um, a competition support, um, supported by United Technologies for engineering and, and the sciences. And um, so that was in high school. They, uh, the teachers nominated 12 of us to be on two teams. We could have two teams of eight, but we, uh, I was on the B team. Mm -hmm. we, um, we beat the A team. The A team had twice as many people, and they were way smarter than us. They had the valedictorian, the salutatorian, the valedictorian of the junior class, who would be the valedictorian of the junior class. Um, and uh, I mean, it's just a much more capable team. Anyone would look at them and say, oh my God, they're gonna crush us. And we, we beat them. Hmm. We won the competition out of every uh, small, medium, large private school for the B teams in the state of Connecticut. And then we started looking at the results for the A teams. We beat every single A team in the entire state of Connecticut in this engineering and science competition. And we only had half of the people on the team that we could have. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a story that I, 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 I cherish. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm just listening to you on how passionate you are, but it, it, it still goes back to you being both creative and analytical, right? I mean, obviously sailing could be very fun. Sailing racing definitely has adrenaline behind it, but you had a particular job on that particular boat where you were tracking the wind, which is a highly analytical position to kind of foresee oh, yeah. where wind is going to be before the wind even, even if it, before it's even there. Isn't that, would you correct yeah. me if I'm wrong? Like, is that not a true statement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you're predicting, but I mean, for me, I just saw it. Like, you know, I, I was kind of cheating. I had a pair of $400 Serengeti glasses, which allow you to see the wind shifts uh, but better than anyone else. But yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to spend $400 on them. And this woman I knew at the sunglass store said, David, this is what all the national team guys are doing. You have to get these. I'm like, okay, cool, done. So I got my $400 x-ray sunglasses and uh, and pull, pulled off a big win for them. Nice, nice. All right, so I've got another bonus question for you. Uh, if you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? My granddad. Uh, he passed away when I was in fourth grade. And to know him as an adult would be really wow. amazing. He was very special as a kid. 
but uh, to spend 24 hours with him and his great grandson, Martin, uh, that would be special. Wow, definitely interesting. I mean, I could definitely see that because, you know, like my son, he's 15 and his maternal grandfather that he was very close with recently died like in the past couple months. So, to, you know, fast forward when he's an adult, I could definitely see see that visual. I could ask my son that question probably 15 years from now. He'll probably give me that same answer that you just gave. Um, so, yeah, I think I think going to closing. Right. Every time I interview someone, I always give them an opportunity to give the microphone to them to ask me any questions that may have come up during the podcast. So the microphone is yours. Do you have any questions that you would like to ask me? Yeah. How, how did you meet Damon? That's that's who we uh, that's how we met. How did you meet Damon? So it's kind of like, you know, social media, right? So I, I saw Damon and we had some mutual connections on, on Facebook. And then I, I just looked Damon up and I was like, okay, like he, he we're, like analytically we're like on the same way level. We like the same thing. You know, he was a Forbes writer. He had a podcast, you know, he's really big into SEO. And I was like, like, I, I need to interview this guy. So I just reached out to him like cold without never even speaking to him once. And then shortly after that, he accepted to be on the podcast. And then after that, he invited me to be on his podcast, which ironically just aired today. And, you know, the rest was history. And all this happened within like less than six months. Oh, wow. Okay. And you came all the way from where to go to his 40th birthday party? Atlanta. Atlanta to Utah. Oh, my God. That's a long way to go just for a one night party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, that's how you, you build real relationships and, and, uh, like Damon and I, we'd had like an unsung brotherhood, like right off the bat, we just clicked. It just made sense. And it's kind of like, it's really cool to not only have someone that understands your language, but also is a really good guy as well. So, I mean, it just worked out. I mean, I, I, ideally you would love for that to work out with everyone, but it doesn't, but with me and Damon, it just right. did. So. Yeah. Damon's a special guy. Yeah. Definitely Absolutely. Cool. Well, I mean, going to the closing, man, I definitely want to appreciate taking out, out your schedule. I know you guys about like two hours behind us. And I definitely appreciate all the information and insight that you delivered. And obviously, if anyone is looking to get better results from their Google ads, by all means necessary, please contact David. At least let him give you an audit to put you in the right perspective to let you get a peace of mind to kind of know where your results are and where your results can go. Okay, great. Thank you. Pleasure. S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762 762- 233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss on Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.